After being filled with the Holy Spirit at his baptism, Jesus is led in the wilderness through his well, led in the wilderness. Through his responses to the temptations of the devil, he defines what it means to be called the Son of God. A reading from Luke. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. So there Jesus was in the wilderness, and the devil is going to come and bring him some temptations. Now we're told that at this point Jesus had not eaten for 40 days. I'm guessing 20 days in, Jesus knew what the devil was going to do. This first temptation was really kind of telegraphed. I mean, if you've been without food that long, certainly a temptation to put your power to use for your own comfort would certainly be a temptation that was going to come. Jesus should not have been surprised by this at all. And it appears maybe he really even wasn't. He already had a response in the bag about people don't eat by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so that might be easy enough for us to see Jesus in that sense. But we also might find ourselves saying, I get Jesus going through that and the whole imagery of the 40 days and of the whole idea of bread and its importance, but that really doesn't touch me particularly. It's been a long time since I've gone 40 days without food, close to 60 years and I'm not even 60 years old yet, so I've never had that experience of being so tempted by food. My greatest temptation might be, do I have two pieces of chocolate cake for dessert or a piece of chocolate cake and a piece of cherry pie instead? That might be the greatest food temptation it feels like I end up with. So I'm wondering what it was that the devil was asking of Jesus that might be more applicable to me. And I think what it really comes down to is I'm tempted often just to take care of my own comfort first, to allow myself just to sink back in an easy chair and let all the cares and the concerns of the world not have to be mine at all. In fact, I think that after the, the invention of the television set, Clearly, the next best inventions were the easy chair and the remote control. Now I have absolutely all of the comfort that I need. And it's very easy for me on a Sunday after a morning here to simply go home and say, all I really want is my easy chair and the remote control and the rest of the world will just have to wait until my 
comfort needs are taken care of, until I feel like I have been as comfortable as I can and I immerse myself in that, then, after a while, I might get around to being concerned about your needs or the needs of the world. Now that's a temptation. It's so available to me, so easy just to sink in to my easy chair and realize that none of you are as important as me right now. <laughs> then the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Quite a temptation to feel as if you could put God truly to the test now. Maybe for Jesus something rather obvious, throw yourself down because we do have those passages of scripture that the devil quotes so well. By the way, when I think about that, has anybody ever heard people say, well, the devil can quote scripture better than anybody else? Anybody ever hear that talked about? I'm kind of thinking about where does that come from? It comes from this passage. The devil only knew two verses of scripture. That was it. If you really want to take on a Lenten practice this year, learn three scripture passages. Memorize three of them. You'll be one ahead of the devil already when it comes to that. The temptation is that for Jesus, it was to be thrown down and let God care for him. Now, we might not have something quite that dramatic, but oftentimes we do feel like putting God to the test. God, I'll be more faithful when that promotion comes through. God, I'll be more faithful when I get that raise. God, I'll be more faithful when the diagnosis comes back and I find out that I'm cured. God, I'll be more faithful when I know that you're taking care of things in the world in a way that lets, them, lets me know that you're, you're handling them. That is, that you're taking care of things the way I would take care of them. The temptation comes to us often to put God to the test, for us to feel like God has to prove who God is before I'll really give myself over to who God is. But we know that kind of testing goes against the very grain of what we know fundamentally that God is God and we are not. 
And I wonder sometimes how much God tests us. I mean, are we actually ever tested by God? I'm sure that it seems like it. It seems like God wants to put us in precarious positions at times just to find out if we'll go through with it. But I think sometimes that's really just life. That's really just understanding that life is going to take us to lots of places. Some where we feel like we're in a comfortable chair and other times where we feel a little less secure. But this we know. God is there with us in all of those places. It's not up to us to to test God, to see how faithful God will be with us. But at times, it is worth us considering how faithful we are to God. When things are at their best, it's so easy to be faithful, to know of God's presence around us. It's in the days of greatest challenge that we find out that God is still there. I know I'll face a lot of things in my life, but I don't really think, at least on my best days, that I want to test God that God somehow has to prove God's power for me. Instead, I'd like just to know that God is, is present wherever I am. There, God shall be also. Then the devil led Jesus up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The temptation to see authority kind of intermingled with what it is that we worship becomes a real temptation at times. The temptation to understand authority such that if I give you authority, I will do so knowing that you're going to give me authority back, that we'll take care of each other so that we remain in power together is a huge temptation. Can you imagine what a political system would look like if that sort of temptation were a part of it? What a temptation sometimes we face, whether it's in our workplace, maybe even in our families, maybe with our HOAs, that we're tempted to take authority have authority and keep authority for the sake of ourselves rather than for the sake of those we are called on to serve. Maybe it's the temptation to realize that authority taken 
is not always authority granted, but that we need to understand what it means to to see authority for what it is, but to see God for who God is and to understand that authority and worship are not always to be intermingled. Now, I realize that that happens in the church quite often. There are times when authority is certainly given. For instance, I want all of you to put, well, let's go with your left hand, unless you've had shoulder surgery. Everybody's left hand in the air. Is there any point to that at all? No, I just happen to be the authority right now. So you're going to do it, aren't you? Do you see how easy that is? To want to simply take control, to have that kind of control. I wonder how many times I could have gotten you to do that over and over again. I wonder how many of you are looking at your watch right now thinking we can't leave. He's in authority, he's in the pulpit. I wouldn't dare walk out right now, would you? I could go on and on and on. We could be here until daylight savings time takes over. Oh, power and authority is a temptation. But what God calls us to do is to use that authority that we have, the authority given to over us, over to us by the very word of God, to use that authority to be a blessing to the world, not to get caught up in worshiping things that do not deserve our worship. Instead, I would like to use my authority as a pastor to offer you a blessing. And so as we move into the benediction, I do invite you to stand.